From a dot in the middle of the map, this is Midwesternish. I'm Gina Kaufman. I remember getting rid of my cassette tapes. In the early 2000s, when my journalism career was just beginning, I drove a beat-up used car built in 1991. And my favorite thing about that car, which I really did love, was it had a tape deck. I had a great collection of cassettes from this glittery tape with the Jackson 5 on one side and Marva Whitney on the other to a tape I bought at a merch table for a local band back in high school. My tapes were irreplaceable. And so despite the lack of AC and doors that stuck shut, I drove that car until it went up in a plume of smoke. The car itself was no great loss, I will admit that. But without the tape deck, my cassettes were just artifacts. And after a while, I got rid of them. Before producing this episode, I regretted nothing. I didn't miss the unraveling spools of tape that you had to feed back into plastic cartridges, or having to fast-forward and rewind to get to my favorite songs. But then I found out that 2015 was the best year since 1969 for the country's largest cassette tape manufacturer in Springfield, Missouri. That is correct. That's Steve Stepp, the owner of National Audio Company. On this episode, the cassette tape revival. How and why a cassette tape manufacturer in the middle of the country survived the move from tapes to CDs and CDs to MP3s and what the rest of us might have overlooked all along. Steve Stepp is known in some circles as the king of analog. And in case that term is a little jargony to you, analog is basically the opposite of digital. So analog music isn't stored in binary code. It lives on vinyl or tape. Tape is a very forgiving material to work with. Uh, It's a much tougher material than you might think. Uh, The new people we bring in to learn production here, uh, most of them have never worked with tape other than maybe to have a few cassettes they played with. But uh, it's exciting. It was Steve's dad who started the family's tape business. He had been a partner in a large background music company. They operated in nine states, kind of like a forerunner to something like Muzak, only it was all on tape. Think elevators and waiting rooms, like the music equivalent of stock photos. Uh, He sold his interest, my father did, in that business. We went into, uh, we opened National Audio in 1969, and we were dealing primarily with radio stations then, selling blank audio tape cartridges. They looked a little like an 8-track, but they were a lot better mechanism. And that's how commercials and uh, on-air music used to be done, possibly still is in some of the low-budget stations. So selling those cartridges and then open... Uh, real tape, uh, Ampex open real tape to the radio stations was how we got into the business in 69. But we had not, uh, we hadn't really seen the audio cassette until the late uh, 60s and early 70s and didn't realize what a good product that was going to be. Uh, So it took a few years for us to catch up with the rest of the world and get excited about the audio cassette. Well, first time I saw one, I thought, well, that looks like a good way to make a little doll's voice play, but I can't see how it has any relevance to the music industry or broadcasting. So we don't you always have. couldn't see it at first. No, I couldn't see it. Uh, we don't always have all the uh, the foresight that we need, but uh, thank goodness uh, the audio cassette stuck around. And we started selling them. We couldn't buy them as fast as we could sell them, and that pushed us into manufacturing. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. 
You might think that the CD revolution in the 90s, and even more poignantly, the MP3 revolution of the following decade, would have absolutely killed Steve's cassette tape business. But you would be wrong. People were still buying blanks for use in uh, their own uh, internal duplication for religious organizations and instructional uh, media and uh, educational institutions were buying a lot of blank tapes still to put out their own uh, media, their own, uh, their own uh, information on that media. So that's, that's, that was a business that never went away that we still had as a floor under us. Uh, but as far as sticking around until music came back, that was not really our idea. The idea was that there were certain things you could do with the audio cassette that you couldn't do with a CD. It was almost indestructible. It would survive in extreme heat and extreme cold. It wasn't subject to grit and sand and dust blowing through the air in the Middle East and all sorts of things, humidity in the jungles of South America. Uh, the audio cassette had a certain base that it wasn't likely to fall below. And that base, so it sounds like, in is it. international for you. Oh, it is very much international. We sell all over the world now. And uh, the music industry coming back is just the, the icing on the cake and a very nice icing because now, uh, thanks to the independent uh, bands and labels, they made this popular again. They got the media in front of the under 35 age group and really won the acceptance. And now the, uh, the large labels are coming back to it as well. So uh, I don't know that we ever planned that the music business would come back. We hoped that it would, but it could have just as easily gone the way of the VHS tape, which is gone and probably never coming back. When did music start coming back to cassette tapes? This is a phenomenon that began really about, nine to about 2008 to 2009 for us. We, uh, we really began to hear a, a, a lot of bands wanting to come back to audio cassette. As Justin said, a lot of the indie bands and indie record labels were the vanguard of this. And uh, of course, most of the big duplicators who'd been in the, working in the tape industry had gotten away from tape and had gone to CDs by that time. But this is not just a recent phenomenon. It began really about 2008, 2009. Uh, it was a, a good medium to get your band heard quickly, easily, and fairly inexpensively, and that's always good. And the second thing was, as Justin had pointed out, uh, there is the appeal of the analog sound. The world is analog. Your ears are analog, and that's one of the very simple reasons why analog tape sounds very good to you. Unless you're really on the inside of the cassette tape resurgence, you might be like me, full of questions. Like, are people really listening to music on tapes again? Or is this just a tiny niche group? And where are people getting tape decks? When we first started seeing this happen, uh, we not only had indie bands and indie record labels calling and saying, where can we get tape decks? We had some of the major labels who were looking at this with curiosity and beginning to do a few test releases calling us and saying, where can we get tape decks? We're going out to garage sales and pawn shops and trying to find something that'll run. So you're absolutely right. At the beginning of this, tape decks were hard to come by that were still in good operating condition. At the present time, TAC Tascam has gone back into it. Craig, Jensen, some of those companies are back uh, making uh, component tape decks. Uh, we have a, a GPX company out there making the boombox again and a very good... Uh, I guess, modern version or copy of the old Walkman. So they are the coming Walkman. back on the market. Yeah, yeah. Well, is this, uh, would you say that this is a new clientele, as in, I mean, young people who may have grown up 
entirely in the age of the CD and the MP3, or is it a returning clientele coming back to cassette tapes? Well, I'd like to tell you it's old fogies like me coming back to cassettes. We never left. But I think the driving force behind this new popularity is the under-35 age group. Uh, they have, as you said, been raised with MP3s and earbuds, and neither the MP3 nor the earbud is a fine piece of electrical and, and audio equipment. You've got all sorts of compressed sound and entire frequencies dropped out there, and you don't have a really fine playback system. So when younger people began to hear better equipment, uh, and then the combination of the better equipment with the analog sound, I think that's really where the popularity came back. Part of the appeal for indie bands is that you can get a cassette tape recorded very quickly. We can go from zero, where somebody brings us a project and says, I'd like to do this, to shipping that finished product, usually within 30 days. And, and the really exciting part is, it isn't just a round, flat thing with a hole in the middle like a CD. It's an audio cassette. It's not only good audio, but it's a work of art, and we make every project custom for our customers. I think a big part of its comeback has to do with the pressing plants being backed up so much. So the manufacturer we talked to told us that business is booming. But what about distribution, sales? Chris LeBeau's been in the music business since 1996. He owns a record store in Kansas City, and he agrees it's local bands wanting a quick product they can't get on vinyl driving the resurgence. So if a punk band, local band, um, small indie band wants to put out a physical format, nobody wants to do CDs. They're just kind of frowned upon. They're not cool. They're just disposable. They're not interesting. They can go and put it on cassette. And it takes about a week or two weeks to get that tape back versus eight months waiting for your record. So it's practical for the bands. Is it practical for listeners? I mean, does it seem like the listeners and music fans are showing the same level of interest as bands are showing? Uh, you know, that was the question I had when it started happening, but we keep selling tapes. I can't keep tapes in stock. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we don't stock as many tapes as we do records, but we at least have 100-plus cassettes, and they're always selling. The majority of it is the punk, hardcore indie music, but I'm seeing a lot of uh, you know, local electronic labels, um, all these guys putting out tapes as well. And that's kind of who's coming to record stores anyway, right? Yes, yes. And now you have Cassette Store Day. When I asked Steve Stepp why he stayed open all those years as tapes gave way to CDs and CDs to MP3s, he said it was two things. Stubbornness and stupidity. Uh, we were too stubborn to quit and too stupid to know the tape business was over with. That's when I remembered being the stubborn one. The one with that tape I'd bought in high school from a band that no longer existed. They were called the Young Johnny Carson Story. And suddenly, comparing myself to Steve, I felt like I'd sold out, like I'd given up on tapes too easily. I've never been able to find another young Johnny Carson story recording in any format. Since ditching that tape, the music itself has been lost to me. But it sounds like a whole new generation of angsty teens can fall in love with local music and cassette tapes all over again. It's your turn, kids. 
have fun, and for the love of God, hold on to your tapes. This episode of Midwesternish was produced by Matt Hodap, Matthew Long Middleton, and Suzanne Hogan. Sylvia Maria Gross is our editor. You can subscribe to this podcast on NPR One or wherever you generally do that kind of thing. I also host a show on Kansas City's public radio station, KCUR 89.3. The show is called Central Standard. Head to kcur.org if you want to check it out. I'm Gina Kaufman. <laughs>